Hello all and welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast where we try to answer your questions so that you can become more informed, more confident, and more effective as a church leader. I'm Becky Holton and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, Carrie Holton. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so hon, what are we talking about today or what questions are we working through and trying to answer today? Well, it's sort of part two on the last podcast, number 102 that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of an extension of that. Uh, we're, we're going to talk today about biblical interpretation. Okay. That excites us, doesn't it? yippee tie. Yeah. I hope that doesn't scare away any of our listeners. <laughs> but what we are really talking about is how to read the Bible. And, you know, that's a very important subject. That's just a basic yeah. subject. And specifically, hon, we want to talk about the nature of the New Testament epistles. 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 That's a word I use every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's We're just really talking about the letters of the New Testament, right? Are you making fun of me? Well, no, epistle okay. boy. Epistles. Yes, letters. Epistles, letters. I, you know, in, in the scholarly world, I think there is a fine distinction between epistles and letters, but we won't go there today. I'm sure it's a fine distinction. It is. It's very important to know, but we'll, <laughs> we'll skip it today. Okay, well, the question that we want to answer is this. What is the nature of the New Testament letters? What's bringing this subject on? Um, Do you have something that was the springboard for this? Well, uh, like I said, it's it's really our last podcast, uh, really. Uh, Our our weekly listeners may remember that last week or in podcast number 102, we stated that the Bible was not written to us. It was written for us, but it was not written to us. Our right. our name is not on any of the introductions to those letters. Uh, as you said, our name is not on any of the leather-bound copy, right? Right. We're just reading someone else's mail. We're really. reading someone else's mail. Well, we were thinking that some of our listeners may be wondering why that is so important, why we even brought that up. I mean, what difference does it make that the books of the Bible were not addressed to us? And by the way, us. People who live 2,000 to 3,000 years after the books of the Bible were written. What difference does it make that those books were not written to us? So we thought we would address that subject. Yeah, let's let's talk about what difference does it make. Let's let's work our way through that. Okay. Well, the short answer, I think, is that being aware of this, that none of the books of the Bible were written to us, really does affect the way we interpret and apply Scripture to our own day and time, to our own lives. In fact, without understanding this truth, it can easily lead to misinterpretation of Scripture and then misapplication of Scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do believe if there is one thing church leaders need to know, it's how to read, interpret, and apply the sacred writings. It's just basic. Actually, it's, it's important for every individual Christian, I think we would say. I agree. Uh, it, it's fundamental to our pleasing God and doing his will. I can see how this subject would be very important for every person who looks to the Bible as their authority in religion. How to read the Bible would be an important discussion, not only for church leaders, but for all of us, for every Christian. I could not agree more. It's foundational. Mm-hmm. We have to have a way to understand this book that is so vitally important to us Mm -hmm. and that we read for direction for our lives. But before we start some new 
content, let's briefly mention again this idea that biblical texts were not written to us. Again, they were certainly written for our benefit, but they weren't addressed to us, and this may help us explain why some passages are really difficult for us to understand. You know, I remember that Peter wrote that some of Paul's writings were hard to understand in Second Peter 3. So if he said that, <laughs> there's certainly going to be some passages that are going to be hard for us to understand. Absolutely. Very I, hard. I mean, for example, let me just ask you, what did Paul mean when he wrote that women ought to wear a veil because of the angels in 1 Corinthians 11 and 10? I'm asking you a question. Crickets. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. <laughs> what is baptism for the dead in First Corinthians fifteen twenty nine? Would you Would, would you, you explain like that? To find out. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I don't, I don't have any idea. You don't, oh, sure you do, but I'm putting you on the spot, aren't I? You are. I'm starting to sweat. Okay, well, what did Peter mean when he talked about Jesus preaching to the spirits in prison in 1 Peter 3.18? Or who or what is the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3? And I can come up with these scriptures all day long. Uh, They're hard. Feel free to just keep spewing them forth over there. (laughs) These are are difficult passages. I mean, we're cutting up about them, but... There are other really difficult passages, especially in the New Testament letters, maybe especially in Paul's letters. And what we are saying here is is that in many cases, the reason the texts are so difficult for us to understand is that, frankly, they weren't written to us Mm -hmm. and we weren't there. Mm -hmm. That is, the original author and his readers, they were on a similar wavelength that allows the inspired author to assume a great deal on the part of his readers. Those original readers would have understood what the author was talking about when we might not, because we don't always know the backstory or what was assumed between the author and reader. We're living in a different place and time. We're a different audience. I mean, all of those farming illustrations Mm -hmm. are a little lost on me, Mm -hmm. you know, been a city girl most of my life. I'm in a very different place and time. And I think the New Testament letters illustrate very well what we're stating. It seems to me that all the books of the Bible, the letters of the New Testament are clear evidence that these books were not written to us. Especially the letters make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we stated this last week. And uh, uh, we stated it when we, we referred to some of the introductions in Paul's letters to the church in Rome, to the church of God in Corinth, uh, to the churches of Galatia, to right. the Thessalonians, so forth, so on. So why don't we discuss the unique nature of these letters that were obviously addressed to certain people like Titus and Timothy and then these churches in specific locations? Why don't we discuss why that's uh, so unique? Okay, I think that would be really great for us to talk about. And I think this will make all the difference in the way we read these letters. These are things I had not heard about, to be honest, until I was in adulthood. The content of our discussion may be some things that maybe some of our listeners haven't heard either Mm -hmm. or considered. I certainly was a latecomer to this conversation. So I want to encourage our listeners to listen well. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
we know you already are, (laughs) (laughs) but we just are asking you to reflect on what we're saying, think about it, and give it some thought, because this may be something you already know, and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Or it may be the first time you've heard some of this, and it may feel very unsettling, like it did to me at first, until I dug deeper, and then it was like, it was very peaceful, very helpful, very insightful. It may be a new thought to some, as you say, and, and, and new thoughts like this typically are a little unsettling until mm-hmm. they become part of our uh, our very nature. Well, we fig- until we kind of figure out what they mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, here it is. The first thing that we need to understand, I think, about the letters of the New Testament is this, that they are occasional documents. Okay, epistle boy. Now, what do you mean by it? Let's, let's go a little deeper into the occasional. Occasional uh, documents, yeah. yes. By the way, our listeners could go to a book we referenced in our last episode to read more about this, and that book is Gordon Fee's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, A Guide to Understanding the Bible. We talked about that in our last episode and, and really recommend it. Really do recommend yes. that you get that. Anyway, occasional documents. When we say that the New Testament letters are occasional documents. We mean that they arose out of and are intended for a specific occasion. They were occasioned or called forth by some special circumstance, either from the reader's side or the author's side. And when you think about it, you know, almost all of the New Testament letters were occasion from the reader's side, by the way. I mean, there may be some letters like Philemon, for example, that was occasioned by the author's side. Paul has something he wants to say to Philemon. He's not really addressing a particular problem or some occasion. But most of the letters, most of the letters are occasioned by something going on on the reader's side. Right. It's just, you know, why why was this letter written? What had happened? What was the occasion that that really called forth to these authors to write the letter as directed by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you're asking what would have occasioned or called for these letters, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let me answer that question. It might have been a problem in the church. For example, consider the Galatian letter to the churches of Galatia. What is the problem in those churches? Well, Paul knows that they are deserting the true gospel and are going for a different gospel. Mm-hmm. They are they are people who want to go back to the law. So he realizes there's a problem that he needs to address when he writes that letter. And just knowing that gives so much more insight to the words that are written. Exactly. Or maybe the occasion was a question or a series of questions asked by the readers, as in First Corinthians. You know, in beginning in chapter seven of First Corinthians mm-hmm. Paul talks about, he says, now for the matters about which you wrote. In other words, it was they, like a Q&A. Yeah, really. they uh, had written him a letter and had asked him several questions, like you said, a Q&A. So he, he's answering questions. Or perhaps there was a current false teaching that Paul or Peter or John want to address, maybe some kind of behavior that needed correcting or a doctrinal error that needed setting right or a misunderstanding that needed further light. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that the letters were written to address a specific problem or answer a specific question or address a particular situation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And thank you for that word situation. You're welcome. (laughs) What we're saying here is that the letters are situational. In fact, the entire Bible was written to address specific situations. Now think about that. 
These books were written to address specific situations. Mm -hmm. As Gordon Fee writes in his book, most of our problems in interpreting the epistles are due to this fact of their being situational or occasional. That is, we have the answers, but we don't always know what the questions or the problems were, or even if there was a problem. Right. I think it's a lot like listening to one end of a telephone conversation and trying to figure out who is on the other end and what that unseen party is saying. Yet in many cases, it's especially important for us to try to hear the other end so that we will know what our passage is trying to answer, to know the context of what the other end is about. Yes. I can really see how this makes interpretation and application especially difficult. If you don't know the occasion that called for that letter, how hard is it to understand the meaning of the author's response to the situation? Mm -hmm. If you don't know who's on the other end, if you don't know the context of the problem, the setting, the historical circumstance that called for the letter, It's difficult to fully understand the author's meaning, and it's very difficult to apply that author's response to a specific situation in our own day and time. Correctamundo, context breath. Yes, Yes. sir. Again, the Bible was not written to us, though it was written for us. It was written as a guide for all of God's people throughout history, but... It was written to its original readers in their cultural situation. This means, and we've said it about the letters, but it could be said of every book of the Bible. This means that every text in Scripture is occasional in nature. That is, it was written to an ancient people in a particular setting to accomplish a specific thing or to address a specific problem. Even though that may sound a little unsettling. Does it? To some it might. Okay. To me, it shows divine inspiration behind it. Okay. Because there's principles that you pull out of those occasions that will apply to other unknown occasions that were yet to come. Well, we certainly believe in divine inspiration of Scripture. Absolutely. And we certainly believe that all Scripture is useful for us. Mm -hmm. But we are trying to make this distinction that those books in the Bible are situational. They were written to address a a specific situation, which may not be like our situation. Right. Anyway. That's where the divine inspiration comes in. Sure. Of how they can be used Mm -hmm. once we realize the principle and the context and those types of things. Good. So back to one of our original questions, hon. What does it mean for us that no scripture was written to us? What does it mean for us that Scripture was written to address a particular situation? Let's drive this down deeper for application for us. Now you're asking what difference does it really make? Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, for starters, it means that before we just carte blanche apply something written in Scripture to our particular situation, we must try to discover what the situation was that called for the writing. Right. That is, we must take the time and do the work to try to identify the historical context. That is, the historical circumstance of the readers, the situation of those original readers. Otherwise, we could easily twist the scriptures and misapply them. You know, what you just mentioned right there about doing the work of of identifying the context. 
was one of the things that was so helpful to me when I was reading through Gordon Fee's book back in the day. I had not really stopped to think about it. And that, I believe, that understanding and taking the time, doing the hard work, gives integrity to Bible interpretation and study. At least it did for me. Yes. It kept me from twisting things that I, Scripture that I might wanted to say something else, because, and it kept me from doing cafeteria-style interpretation of, I'll, I'll do this one literal, and I won't do this one, you know, that kind of thing. That context piece was paramount for me. And here's another truth. Scripture cannot mean today what it never meant. I mean, yes, it cannot right. mean for us what it did not mean for the original readers. So, as you say, it's very important that we try to understand what their historical context was so that we can understand what that scripture meant to them mm-hmm. before we apply it. Well, it also means this. Uh, he- here's another uh, difference maker. Uh, it also means that we should consider how much our particular situation reflects the particular situation of those original readers. If, for example, our situation is unlike their situation, if there's very little similarity between our situation and their situation, why would we think that what the author wrote to them would have the same application to us? Right. Now, that might sound a little unsettling, too. Mm -hmm. In that case, we'll have to pull out a principle from that text and reapply the principle. Mm -hmm. But. I hope our listeners understand what we're trying to say here. If our situation is different from their situation, why would we think that what Paul or Peter wrote to their situation would automatically apply to our situation? We shouldn't think that, Mm -hmm. right? Well, this goes back to the integrity of interpretation. Good, good. At least it did for me. Well, and here's a quick illustration of what we're talking about. Let's take 1 Timothy 2.9, for example. Oh, boy, here you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a controversial passage and one that's very difficult to understand. But uh, verse 9 might not be so difficult. Here's verse 9. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus, and here's what he writes in 1 Timothy 2, 9. He says, Women should dress modestly and decently in suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Now, should we take this verse from its context? From its first century Ephesian historical situation and say, hey, there is a one-to-one correspondence between those original readers and us. Our situation is their situation. Should we say that women today should do as Paul commands in that verse? Well, I hope not, because if so, I've got some jewelry I may need to sell on eBay, but (laughs) I'm all for dressing modestly, but Christian women today... Godly Christian women braid their hair, they wear pearls, and some wear expensive clothing. So if we're to apply this command today, there's going to be a lot of Christian women who are breaking it, including me, because you have given me pearl earrings, and I wear a diamond ring every day that's a wedding band. Now you're throwing me under the bus, aren't you? I'm blaming you for it all. (laughs) Well, that's the point. We need to understand the situation that Paul is trying to address in that particular chapter. I mean, who are those women that are dressing that way? What makes Paul feel he needs to make this command of those women in that particular situation? And what was that dress saying in that context? Exactly. We won't take the time 
to go deep into those verses and understand what the actual context is, but it had such a different meaning than it does for us. I think so. We could very well ask the question after reading that passage, why should we not apply this command as Paul states? I mean, I know Christian women who do take that command personally, even Mm -hmm. today. They apply it to themselves. Why should we not apply this command as Paul states? And here's my answer. See what you think about it. The reason is because our situation may not be at all similar to the situation that Paul is addressing in that passage. There does seem to be something going on in the church at Ephesus that we may not be aware of or understand. We, we may not understand the situation that Paul is trying to address. And again, if our situation is not their situation, why would we think that Paul would write the same thing to us that he wrote to them? But going back again, as we said earlier, if we do the hard work of studying context, we will learn more about what some of his words likely meant, and those principles directly apply to us. Certainly. Certainly apply to us, and they're enlightening and helpful, and it has a lot to do that helps me as I've studied those verses in my discipleship and in my character. Like I said, if I just go with that surface surface interpretation, I really am not going to get the depth and the meaning that I believe the inspired word wants me to know. Hey, that will help me. There is a principle in First Timothy 2 and verse 9 that applies to all of God's people for all time. There is a principle there. Yes, yes. Uh, we can't really apply that principle until we have some idea of what the situation is that mm-hmm. Paul is trying to address. That's what we're saying. Right. So, yeah, we, we're certainly saying that Scripture is useful to all of us. All oh, Scripture is useful to us. Absolutely yes. essential. It's, it's God's revealed will to us. It's inspired. It's a guide. Yes, yes. absolutely. But yes. you see how the idea that Scripture was not written to us and how the situational nature of Scripture may affect the way we interpret it and apply it. Mm-hmm. That's the point we're trying to make. Mm-hmm. And on the surface, it may sound like heresy, but it's not, because it really takes us to a level of interpretation that has integrity. Makes us better Bible students. It does. And in that whole process, we're growing more like Jesus, just to have an integrity and a character that we approach interpretation. And it also keeps my personal opinion out of it. Yes. Yes. I might want to twist something to make it say something that may be a little bit more palatable to me than it might be to someone else. Exactly. It keeps us from making Scripture say whatever we might want it right. to say. Right. That's, as you say, that's treating it with integrity. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy because it's not. No. But you know, valuable things require some work. So You know, that's another podcast episode we need to talk about is the perspicuity of Scripture. <sighs> Perspicuity. That's your word for the day, honey. Perspicuity. I was still practicing. I mean, in other words, the clarity of Scripture. And we have been taught, I think, over the centuries that Scripture is easy to understand, that any Tom, Dick, or Harry should be able to pick it up and understand it. Well, you and I both know some Scriptures that way, but there's also some Scripture that's hard to understand I would like to reference back the prayer that you quoted from Ephesians 1 last week. There's a principle there that um, when we pray and ask God to give us wisdom, he will, and he'll help enlighten us mm-hmm. and open the eyes of our hearts when we come and study his word with yes. that. So, well, I think we better draw this episodic 
epistle to a close. (laughs) We've talked about the nature of Scripture, in particular the nature of the New Testament letters, and we've tried to explain the notion that the Bible wasn't written to us, but for us. You know, hon, I'm thinking we may need to come back to these subjects at a later date. In fact, some of our listeners may have questions and comments about something we've said, and and that's okay if you do, and it's okay if they want to send those questions to you. You bet. We'd love to hear from them. Uh, Just send your question or your comment to hello at effectivechurchleaders.com, and we'll be glad to hear from you. That's hello at effectivechurchleaders.com. Sure, we would welcome your questions, your comments. Uh, Any remarks you have on this topic, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Well, with that, friends, we'll sign off for today. And as always, we really appreciate you church and ministry leaders who listen to these episodes of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where our only aim is to support you in the very important work God has called you to do. Until next time, God bless you. 